what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and we are onwards to week two in the NFL season, uh, notably within the NFC West. And I'm sure you guys did not expect the Seattle Seahawks to be your division leaders in the NFC West. But here we are. Uh, let's go ahead and recap week one within the NFC West. You have, like I mentioned before, the Seahawks atop 1-0 with a resounding victory at home. Shout out to the 12s with a Monday night football special that uh, I think we're going to be talking about for a long time. It was Russell Wilson's debut as a Bronco, and it was, you know, following that, I won't say tumultuous, but following one of the bigger off seasons for the Seahawks, you have Russell Wilson on the other side. Um... And I'm sure you guys saw the game, but you had a, a very close game, a very um, climatic game where you had Russell Wilson on fourth and five in the final stretches of the fourth quarter, uh, vying to, you know, get the victory against his former team. But as you guys saw, it was the head coach uh, calling, well, for one, stalling the clock calling a timeout with 30 seconds, even though he had three timeouts, and um, vying to go for the 65-yard field goal instead of allowing Russell Wilson and his $250 million contract go to waste. Um, Missed the field goal, and the Seahawks won a triumphant victory at home. So a big shout-out to the Seahawks. And just another thing to note about that game... uh, Man, I mean, I've been to Seattle. Uh, I went to Seattle last season, and the really cool part about this crowd was it was lit. This was a livid crowd. I was curious to see how the crowd would react to Russell Wilson taking the field as a Bronco. And, you know, I I thought about it. I I thought that they would kind of, I don't know, applaud him, give him a round of of applause for the service that he did with the Seahawks. But lo and behold, they booed him. (laughs) I mean, they booed him. Pretty loud and all throughout the game. I thought, at first, I thought that was pretty messed up. But at the same time, too, I mean, it's pretty, you know, the wound, the controversy. I mean, all this built up for Russell Wilson to get traded to the Broncos. And I think it it was pretty sudden. I think that, you know, eventually five, six years down the road, they'll come back to applaud and, you know, appreciate the services of Russell Wilson, but for right now, the, the Band-Aid is still there. It just got ripped off, and so you're looking at, you know, just less than a couple months. He, he was a part of the Seahawks culture, and, you know, they booed him. So be it. So you have the Broncos losing to the Seahawks 17-16, which is why you have the Seahawks leading division 1-0. You have the Niners, the Rams, and the Cardinals all 0-1. Going back to that, you had the Niners on a what was supposed to be, um, you know, heavy favorites. I thought they were heavy favorites. Um, a Bears team hosting at Chicago. And at the time, I knew there was going to be rain. I knew it was going to be a little bit of windy. But I did not expect uh, that sort of weather. It was pretty bad, man. It was similar to last season at Santa Clara, Levi Stadium, when they had that monsoon against the Colts. Very similar. You had winds 25 miles per hour. You had a lot of rain, like a lot of rain. And, you know, this was a game that, you know, despite the Niners being up 10-0 at halftime, uh, 
despite outgaining the Bears in pretty much every category, both defensively in pressures, turn forced turnovers, offensively in passing yards and rushing yards. It, it didn't matter because pretty much everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Niners. You had turnovers. You had a deep fumble in the red zone. You have a ill-timed checkdown pass that was intercepted by Eddie Goldman, by Trey Lance. Um, you have their starting running back, and it's only week one, by the way, Elijah Mitchell getting hurt, and now he's out, uh, presumably for six to eight weeks. And you have really unforced errors. The defense committed 12 penalties for 99 yards, including two of them that led to scores. Touchdowns, mind you. One by Greenlaw, one by Aziz Shahir, where it was late hits on the quarterback, 15 yards on the first down. So uh, that was a rough game. And as the eye of the storm continued to progress, especially in the fourth quarter, Trey Lance and the Niners did not have a chance. They never had a chance. Once they got down by two scores and then the rain settled in, that was pretty much one and done. So a uh, tough loss for the Niners, but onwards we go. Mentioned earlier about the Rams-Bills game. They lost 10-31. to That was a game where Stafford threw three picks. The offensive line did not look too good. Joe Noteboom, the new left tackle, got hurt. Um, kind of a wonky situation with the running game. We were expecting a lot of Cam Akers. At least I was for fantasy football perspective, but... He got three carries for zero yards. He had Daryl Henderson taking the, the rock. He got one catch from their new free agent acquisition in Allen Robinson. And, you know, all in all, I mean, it was pretty much the Josh Allen game. Josh Allen dominated that defense. He, I mean, he lit up Jalen Ramsey, by the way. I think Jalen Ramsey gave up two touchdowns. Uh, I don't know, 150 yards, like six catches. He allowed a perfect quarterback rating on his side of the field and yeah it just um it wasn't a good showing for the Rams and you know for the Rams it was on the national spotlight it was on Thursday night football to debut the NFL season and you know I mean it still can be it's really early uh but they were talking about this being a, a you know between the Bills and the Rams being a Super Bowl preview but uh yeah did not look good uh 10 31 Bills uh, this is a game where uh, they w- I'm sure they wish they could have had back, but, you know, it's only week one. No need to panic, right? Right. Lastly, uh, you have the Cardinals playing a pretty, uh, uh shit. Uh, they hosted the Chiefs, and I was looking forward to that game personally because, you know, Texas A&M, Patrick Mahomes, you have, you know, Cliff Kingsbury coaching both Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray, so I thought it would have been a nice quarterback duel between two up-and-coming stars, but, you know, it was was pretty much a blowout by, like, the end of the first quarter. So I think the score was, what, 41-44? Hold on, let me double-check. It was uh, 44-21 Chiefs. This was a game in which Patrick Mahomes threw for five touchdowns. This was a game where... I mean, pretty much this offense, this whole team, for, for, for that matter, at home got embarrassed. Um, you know, I know that DeAndre Hopkins is out. I know that there's a couple things up in the air for, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, 
this team looked out of sorts, and this was a, a game where Travis Kelsey exploded for like 110 yards at a touchdown. He had like six, seven catches. And what really bugs me about that game is, you know, the Cardinals, they've spent two first-round picks on linebackers. Uh, linebackers that you would assume would cover and excel against these Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles, the Mark Andrews, the elite tight ends of the world. I mean, you spent that amount of draft capital, whether it's with Isaiah Simmons or Zayvon Collins. But, you know, 44-21, Mahomes did not have or does not have moving forward. This is post-Tyreek Hill, but he still did damage. He threw two touchdowns in the flats to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for touchdown receptions. You had, you know, Zach Ertz, he... uh, pretty much just do nothing uh, up until the end, catch-up time. This offense as a whole, just um, they never got it going, and by the second half, it was pretty much one and done. So that was a total embarrassing loss at home. So both the Rams and the Cardinals, eek, at home, NFL season starters did not look good for either quarterback. But, you know, shout-out to the Seahawks, shout-out to Geno Smith, they took care of business at home, despite being heavy, heavy underdogs. And, you know, the Niners, you could blame weather, you could blame Trey Lance. I know a lot of people are doing that. But, you know, that's what I like about week one. That's what I like about the first month of the season, for that matter. Because you really get to sniff out and kind of figure out some of the nuances between, I don't know, offensive line, play calling, and finding out really quick just how good or how bad teams are. It's going to take an adjustment period, but I think by week four, week five, definitely by week six, you'll know where these teams stand as they head into the second half of the season for the NFC West. So let's talk about week two in the NFL in the NFC West. You got all the NFC West games on Sunday, and it makes it really easy for me because I got I got my red zone. I got my Sunday ticket. It's going to be all lined up, primed and ready. One o'clock. You got two games in the NFC West 105. You have the Seahawks. You have the Niners. And then you have the second game in the NFC West. You have the Falcons and you have the Rams. Later on, 125 Pacific Standard Time, you have the Cardinals at Vegas. Some pretty lit games for, for that matter. And let's go ahead and get right into these matchups. So... Looking at it, 105, the obvious game that I want to talk about, it's going to be the Niners Seahawks. It's a, obviously, it's a division game. It's a rival game between the Seahawks and the Niners, but, huh, something's kind of, oh, yeah, there's no Russell Wilson. This is a post-Russell Wilson game, and I don't know, I think the, I think the Seahawks are like, what, 7-1 and one against the Niners for like the last couple of seasons. This is a game, this is a matchup where the Seahawks have consistently dominated, dominated the Niners, and it doesn't matter about the numbers because the Niners, even in seasons past, they have outgained, outplayed, they, they've done statistically a lot better than the Seahawks, but like you saw on Sunday night, or I'm sorry, not Sunday night, on Monday night football, the Seahawks have found ways to win, whether they force turnovers Timely quarterback play, no more Russell Wilson, but um, just special teams. I think that uh, 
you know, I was at the game last year at Seattle where the Niners played Seattle where they had that fake punt run for a touchdown. Um, I think, shoot, I saw it on The Athletic. I think the last, so 7-1, so the last eight games, I think the Seahawks have outscored the Niners like 20, 25 points on special teams, whether that's pick sixes, um, punt returns, just a lot of crazy stuff the last couple of years between the Niners and Seahawks. And despite the Niners outgaining them in the run game, the passing game, what have you, it doesn't matter. The Seahawks have found a way to win. And so, you know, it's interesting to note, you know, the the Niners, they are going into this game as nine and a half point favorites. They should win. They l- look at the roster, looking at the roster, their front seven, the defensive line, their skilled position players, they are much better than the Seahawks, but the Seahawks are coming as division leaders. They are 1-0 with their new quarterback, Geno Smith. And like I mentioned before, the Seahawks did not outgain the Broncos either, but they found ways to win. Notably, two forced fumbles at the one against the Broncos. Uh... Just timely, timely plays, and they found it. So what does this mean for this game? Well, a couple things come to mind. When the Niners have the football, you look at Trey Lance, and I know it was a monsoon. I know that that was only his third start, but already the chatter is coming with this kid. Is it fair? No, but it's still there, especially if you have Jimmy G as the backup quarterback. I kid you not. So he's going to get a three and out, and the camera is going to pen to Jimmy G. They're going to just look right at him and just, I don't know. The media, you know how it goes. It's not going to die down, and it's certainly not going to die down in the home opener against Seattle. So Trey Lance, obviously, it wasn't all his fault. Seriously, it wasn't all his fault for the loss against Chicago. But all eyes are going to be on the quarterback at home. Uh, from what I understand, it's not going to be a, a monsoon like it was in Chicago, but there's like an 80% chance of rain. So it's going to have, I don't know, the football gods aren't giving Trey Lance any favors with sunny California weather, but it is decent enough. Trey Lance needs to play a a much better game this time around at home. And all eyes are going to be on Trey to see if he can clean up his mistakes Looking at the turnovers that he, oh, one turnover last week, but, you know, some of the blunders that you see for a new starting quarterback. Uh, Trey Lance also ran the ball 13 times for, like, I don't know, 45 yards last last game. He took a lot of hits. He can't do that. I'll be intrigued to see how, you know, how he adjusts this time around. Is he going to slide? Is he going to try to play a little bit more smart to move the chains? I'll be intrigued for that. And, you know, just overall composure. Um, seems like Niners, Niner fans have a little bit of civil war between Trey Lance and Jimmy G. But what is Trey Lance going to do? I'm sure he's ignoring the chatter. But at the same time, I'm sure the chatter is still there. So what is Trey Lance going to do to respond at home to shut up the haters? And shout out to Trey Lance, too. I don't know if you guys saw on social media, but there was uh, some leakage. I don't know when it was, I'm presuming, during the offseason, but he was certainly raining on them hoes. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. 
Okay, uh, another thing to note about this Niners offense is, well, like I mentioned before, Elijah Mitchell is out six to eight weeks. Uh, another running back, presumably out for an extended period of time for the Niners after one game. So, Jeff Wilson Jr. gets the start, and sorry, no Trey Sermon. They waived him. He's on the Eagles now. So, who is going to, well, I already know who. You have Jordan Mason, the undrafted free agent rookie. You have this year's third-round pick, Tyrion Davis-Price. They just signed Marlon Mack off the practice squad. So, what does that mean for the carries? What does that mean for the running game? I'll be intrigued because you know this Kyle Shanahan offense is predicated on the run. And especially at home, especially against a team that's going to be in the rain. Uh, Let's see what happens. I will be very much intrigued to see how the Niners respond this time around. Because all the this was a game last week where they had every opportunity to win or they should have won. And now they're, well, I won't say their backs are against the wall in week two. But they needed to win this home game. They need to show that this offense is back on track. And so far, I mean, it did not look the part last week. Let's just say that. Okay, conversely, when the Seahawks have the football, I mean, what are are we focusing in that matchup? Let's go back to the quarterback. So Trey Lance, I think he was averaging, like what, seven, seven and a half yards in, in the air per passing attempt. Well, Geno Smith was near the bottom of the league, meaning that he he hardly aired the ball out. I think his average was about four yards per passing attempt or whatever. Uh, his receivers weren't really receivers. I mean, I and that's the interesting part. I wonder how he's going to distribute the ball to his playmakers because last game against the Broncos, most of his playmakers were targeted to tight ends. Yeah, tight ends. Will Disley... Um, all tight ends, Parkinson, um, and which is fine. Don't don't get me wrong, finding ways to score it. But you know, can Geno Smith exploit some of these greener pastures for the Niners? Now I know that the Niners have a really good secondary, front seven, defense as a whole. But you know, DK Metcalf against their newly acquired free agent shutdown cornerback, presumably in Tardavius Warden, aka. Mooney Ward, uh, he's an undersized number one quarterback against, I don't know, a 6'3", 6'4", DK Metcalf. Can they take advantage of that? Can they take advantage of the fact that Jimmy Ward, the Niners starting free safety, is out for the foreseeable future? I mean, there, there should be some opportunities. I know that the Bears, the Bears didn't have that many big plays, but the one play that did come to mind, not once but twice, was on... Hufunga, the strong safety for the Niners. He was out of position two times in particular. One was the uh, broken play in which Justin Fields threw it to Dante Pettis for the touchdown. The other one was that seam route off a of play action to Equidemius St. Brown, the receiver on the Bears. And so that coverage was on Hufunga. So you know that there could be some opportunities for the Seahawks if they choose to exploit it. I don't know if they will, but DK Metcalf against Traverius Ward, that's something that I would like to see. I would also like to see Tyler Lockett, the grizzled veteran 
in the slot, trying to take advantage of a rookie Niners defensive nickelback, Sam Womack. Now, you didn't really hear his name too much against the Bears because, I don't know, the Bears didn't really throw to their receivers because, you know, rain and weather aside, uh, the offense wasn't that good. But can the Seahawks take advantage of their receivers because their receivers are way more versed in this matchup versus, I don't know, last week's matchup against the Broncos? Defensively, I mean, for the Niners, no kidding. They have a stellar defensive line. And then you have two rookie tackles for the Seahawks in Cross and Lucas. And, and by the way, Lucas played a pretty good, actually both tackles, both Cross and Lucas. They played pretty good games against in their season debuts against the Broncos. But, you know, just to stress it, these are two rookie tackles. Between Bosa, Akubam, I don't know, whatever. Like, this defensive line has to make it happen. Um can this defense play more disciplined football as well? Mentioned earlier, 12 penalties for 99 yards, including two personal fouls that led to touchdowns. Can they clean that up? Can they wrap up their guys? I mean, going back to what I mentioned about Geno Smith, he hasn't really been throwing far, per se, his depth in terms of passing attempts. And so a lot of the offense that Seattle was able to garner was off yards after contact. Sound familiar, Niner fans? Yeah. So a lot of the pass completions that Geno Smith made were shorts in which the tight end, the wide receiver, the running back, whatever, had to make a play. Can the Niners play disciplined football? Can they wrap up their tackles? Can they minimize the damage? I'll be intrigued to watch. Uh, a big matchup that I'm watching in particular, I mean, I know the Niners have a great run defense, but, you know, just a, a nice little wrinkle. Uh, the Seahawks' second-round pick from Michigan State, Kenneth Walker, he did not play last week. He's been dealing with a hernia injury. He is clear. He is good to go. Um, he is a home run hitter. Let's see what happens. Can they play disciplined football? Conversely, uh, going back to the Seahawks defense, you know, Trey Lance did not look good in week one. And I know this isn't, um, you know, they don't have a stellar pass rush in the sense where Legion of Boom, and they don't have any Bobby Wagner, but they did pretty damn good against the Broncos. They brought pressure on Russell Wilson. And so what can we expect in week two? Can we expect an encore from Uchenna Nwoso, who was the NFC Defensive Player of the Week? He did really good, brought a ton of pressure. Can we expect another stellar game from their new starting inside linebacker, Cody Barton, who's been... You know, like a, a mid pick, he's been in the mix, and a lot of people had their doubts about him, especially replacing, I don't know, Bobby Wagner. But he had a really good game last week. Can he continue? Overall, can they play convincing football again? The one thing that really concerns me about the Seahawks, and it's interesting to note because I think the Niners were favorite. Opening line was seven. It went up to like nine, nine and a half. Now the line's down to eight and a half. But the reason why... It, I get it if I'm a gambling man, but the reason why the line has gone up, you can make a case that this Seattle team played their best game last week because they were amped up against the Broncos and Russell Wilson. They are coming off a short week, Monday night. The Niners are a little bit more rested in comparison, um, but they're coming off a short week, and emotionally, you could say they're spent. 
Are these spins, or is this a good football team by the Seahawks? I don't know, and this is where we're going to find out. Can they get to Trey Lance, and can they do what Seattle always does? Continue the domination for the win-loss column. Because despite all the numbers, the Seahawks have consistently beaten the Niners. Russell Wilson be damned. We'll see what happens. For me personally, let's wrap it all up. The Niners are favored by 9.5, one of the lowest over-unders. Rain game, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, because of the rain. Maybe it's because the Seahawks, you know, aren't necessarily a proven offensive football team. But the same thing goes for the Niners, and so you have 40 and a half. If I had to put it, uh, give me the Niners 24 to 16. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be... a close game up until the fourth quarter where maybe things break away and then they, they come out with the victory. But um, I would clench my my fist, my asshole. I don't know. I would clench something because I think it's going to be closer than you might think. But we'll see. I mean, the reason why I say that is because Seattle always plays in that stuff. So go ahead and give me... 24-16 Niners. Okay. Next game, 105. This is a big proven game for the Rams. They're at home again. And this is more of a layup. I mean, the, <laughs> these aren't the Buffalo Bills. This isn't Josh Allen. This is Marcus Mariota, uh, another mobile quarterback, but not in the same capacity as Josh Allen in terms of arm strength and this offense, but you have a rebuilding Atlanta Falcons team going to L.A. to play the Rams. And the Rams are favored by 10 points. They are double-digit favorites over under 46.5. And And this is a game where I don't, well, I'm not really going to talk too much about the Falcons. I think it's a game, it's a game for the Rams to lose because they have every part of this offense special teams and defense they are better than the falcons on every facet every facet offensively i mean you already know cooper cup matthew stafford like i'm just gonna be intrigued to see how well there were concerns about matthew stafford and his arm and everything else that's coming with his shoulder and he saw him throw three boneheaded picks against Buffalo on Thursday Night Football, right? So was that something to really be concerned? Or can we make right and move forward as an offense? Allen Robinson, he, he had one catch for 12 yards. Van Jefferson got hurt, left the game. They said that that kind of took them off a of tizzy for their game plan. They were just supposed to get him more involved. Obviously, you still have Cooper Cup. Uh but regardless, I mean, this passing offense, Matthew Stafford, like, they are set to go. They are, they're, they're set to go. Tyler Higby, like, this is an offense that should be able to exploit Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I know they have A.J. Terrell. He's a great player. But, you know, do the damn thing, Matthew Stafford, okay? I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how that goes. Conversely, I, I don't know what the hell is going on with Cam Akers or, you know, Sean McVay alluded to it saying that, hey— you need to earn the right to play. You need to do things, you know, 
on and off the field. I don't know. He, he said something along those lines. But from what I understand, he hasn't been too happy with Cam Akers. It's something where, you know, as you saw, he only got three carries. But maybe he did prove uh, prove McVay's point. He had three carries, two, two carries, two, three carries for zero yards. And I think that Sean McVay did allude to the press that Cam Akers, despite what I would like, I'm willing to roll with the punches and give it to someone else. And that someone else was Zero Henderson last week. And it might continue this week. I'm going to be really intrigued to see what's going to go on with the whole running back situation in the backfield. Lastly, let's go back to the defense. I mean, this defense is good. It's good to go, but I didn't really hear that much of Aaron Donald. And heard Jalen Ramsey's name last week, but it wasn't in a good way. Um, so I'm sure this defense is pissed. It should be pissed. He gave up 31 points last week. Are you fucking kidding me? Against the Falcons is a much different story. Their best wide receiver is the rookie, Drake London, which should be a nice homecoming from him. He went to USC, Trojans. But, yeah, I'm not scared of this Falcons offense whatsoever. Kyle Pitts, he might have a good game, um, especially against these linebackers. But maybe that's the matchup to really watch. Bobby Wagner against Kyle Pitts because that's right there. It's something that I'm really intrigued to watch. That's something where I think that the Falcons are going to try to exploit. Uh, and that's something where I think the Rams now with Bobby Wagner can have an opportunity to go toe-for-toe. I think the Rams in years past have been weak at the linebacker position. But, you know, keys to the game. That's the matchup I am watching. So let's go ahead and wrap that up. You have the Rams heavy favorites by 10, over under 46.5. Falcons got some wiggle. They certainly do. I didn't even mention it when the Falcons have the football, but you have some interesting playmakers in both Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but their running back is a former wide receiver. He got like 22 carries for like a buck 20 last week. He's got some juice. He's got some wiggle, and that's Corderell, Corderell Patterson, former wide receiver turned running back, and uh, yeah, um, he can certainly make a lot of big plays, but I think that I'm pretty confident that the Rams can shut it shut it down. So let's circle back. Um, Rams, I will give them... I'm going to give them a resounding victory. Uh, maybe not the 31-10 when they got their asses handed to the Bills, but I think they can score 31 on the flip side. Give me the Rams 31. Give me the Falcons. Not 10. I'll give them 21. 31-21, so right at the spread. Last but not least, you have... The Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. And this is a game that, I mean, both teams uh, did not play their A game. The Raiders, the Cardinals, they gave up a lot of points last week. So you have the Cardinals going on the road to Vegas. I mean, technically, just uh, another desert, another indoor stadium. Air conditioned, like, you know, it should be it should be fine. But uh, you have a Raiders team that... Uh, they didn't play their best game, but, you know, they played a, a very tough divisional opponent in the Chargers, who are now they're 2-0. Well, actually, no, they're 1-1. They just lost to the Chiefs. But you have a, a very tough Raiders team that are coming off a divisional loss, and this is a game where, I don't know, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm, I'm concerned for a, a lot of reasons. And the first is, well, <sighs> ghosts of the past. Chandler Jones... The Raiders' new edge rusher, former edge 
rusher for the Cardinals. Well, he's on the other side of the field. And, um, yeah, I know you have Marcus Golden. I know you have J.G. Watt. But I miss I miss me some Chandler Jones, man. How is he going to look with the black and silver against his former team? I think that should be really interesting to watch. And while I do know that the Cardinals have taken strides to improve their offensive line, I don't know, man. I think Chandler Jones is going to be out for them. Uh, whether it's Chandler Jones or Max Crosby, uh, last week they had no sacks. They were very close against Justin Herbert, don't get me wrong, but they had no sacks. I think Chandler Jones or Crosby, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough one for the Cardinals. Uh, conversely, you know, for this defense, they got... Uh, They had a tough assignment going against Patrick Mahomes, and I know that Derek Carr certainly is no Patrick Mahomes, but I'm really intrigued to see. From what I heard from the, uh, I think the Athletic wrote it down, but Devontae Adams, he fucking, he fucking ate last week. He had like 12 catch, 10, 12 catches, what, 15 targets for like 130 yards. I think he's going to do something very similar against this Cardinals offense. Not my bad, not offense, defense. This secondary did not look the part last week, and I don't know. If it's going to look this, the part this week because Devontae Adams is an elite receiver. And from what I understand, for all the feels, for all the the family warmth. But I think that I read an article that Devontae Adams spent like nearly like a million dollars on uh, a really big suite for his family, his grandparents. Like his whole family is going to be watching him on Sunday play the Cardinals. So... I don't know. I, I don't know if that means anything, but I know that Devontae Adams, or at least if I were in his shoes, I, I'm going to be dialed in to have a game. And especially against the Cardinals, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Other thoughts about this game? Kyler Murray, he didn't have a horrible game against the, the Chiefs, but I mean, this game got way out of hand early on against the Chiefs. I mean, how's he going to respond this time around? He didn't respond at home. He's going to be on the road. There's going to be a lot of chatter about Kyler Murray, especially when you consider that injuries aren't helping this offense. You have Andy Isabella and Rondale Moore, last year's first-round pick. They are out this week, and so he loses two wide receivers. You still have Marquise Hollywood-Brown. You still have Zach Ertz. But, you know, man, uh, at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter about the receivers because it's just, you know, you're the freshest quarterback. Play like a franchise quarterback. I hope Cliff Kingsbury can get his shit together. I, I hope this offense can get it back on track. I hope that we can see a little bit more James Conner. Um, you know, this game won't... Hopefully it won't get out of hand because that's the reason why he, he didn't see that much James Conner last week because they were down, so they had to play some hurry up. But hopefully they can have a more equal run to pass, you know, like a like a real game plan. So... Um, for this game, everyone is, I think the Raiders open at four points. It's at five and a half. I think the Cardinals can certainly do it. Um, I think it's going to be a closer one, but this is, this is going to be tough. Uh, can the Cardinals really go 0 and 2? Can they afford to go 0 and 2? I, I I think so. It's going to be... This is going to be a tough loss. Prove me wrong, but, you know, it's going to be really tough for Kyler Murray and this offense. 
Uh, certainly, they're, they're going to go head-to-head with Derek Carr and their offense, but I think having two receivers out, um, if this defense can't, can't be decent, yeah, it's going to be tough to go toe-for-toe on the road. So go ahead and give me the Raiders. Um, give me the Raiders, like, 28, Cardinals 24. Fun game. Um, but I think they fall short. Yeah, let's just go with that. Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. I have the Niners beating the Seahawks 24 to 16. I have the Rams beating the Falcons 31 to 21. And then I have the Raiders taking it at home against the Cardinals 28 to 24. So. Close games for the most part in the FC West, but we'll see what happens. Once again, really looking to see at the play of Trey Lance. Really looking to see if there's going to be a letdown by the Seahawks or if this is something to really worry about for the rest of the division in the NFC West. For the Rams, I'm looking at you, Matthew Stafford, coming off a three-interception game. I'm looking at you, Allen Robinson, who had one catch. Just, you know, this is a much better team. Um, So... Can they get their shit together? And then, obviously, on the other end, I guess I'm just talking all quarterbacks, but Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, franchise quarterback, a lot more responsibility moving forward. And can they compete and, you know, I won't say right the ship, but you better get it back on track because uh, last week's loss was tough. Okay, so once again, my name is Justin West. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you get your pod. Also, Instagram, at JustTheWest, Twitter, at JustTheWest, and of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, my name is Justin West, and we out here. We out here. Peace.